Hi everybody, welcome to the latest Seen and Heard podcast from Beef and Lamb New Zealand. I'm Aaron Meikle, as usual. Today I'm at the, the FarmSmart conference in Christchurch. I'm recording several interviews with the speakers are here to, to complement what they're, they're telling the, the farmers who've been able to make it here and for, for others who want to listen to it again and for others who can't make it. So in this podcast I'm joined by Richard Parks who's going to talk to the group actually later today where this is the first podcast for the day on a practical and realistic approach to farm succession planning. Now, Richard, I know it's um, it's one of the hottest topics we get in, in beef and lamb New Zealand. Um, but before we start, why are you here to talk about it? What do you do? Why what's your uh, why have they got you along to talk about this topic? Um, well, thanks, Aaron. Um, so yes, I'm Richard Parks, and I'm a, a lawyer in Christchurch. Um, I work primarily in the primary sector, uh, where probably a vast majority of my clients are farmers. Um, one of the areas which I work in a lot amongst the rural community is farm succession planning, um, and, and I have been doing that now for about 25 years, yep. and even right now I've probably got more than 30 mm-hmm. farm succession plans uh, um, under management right now. So I guess the reason for why I'm here is that I, I, Beef and Lamb had um, heard, of, heard that I, I've been working in this space, and I'm very keen to um, do what I can to assist farmers with with farm succession because it is such a tricky uh, topic for them to progress. Yep. So it's, it is tricky, it's pretty complicated, I guess um, every situation's different. So what we're going to talk about in the podcast here is not basically giving people the answers, but I guess maybe some of the key questions they need to ask. And, and you and I had a bit of a chat and we're going to come to that in just a minute about the, the couple of the key points you really want people to be aware of, but you talk about a practical and realistic approach. So I'm assuming that means sometimes there are impractical and unrealistic approaches. Where does it usually go wrong? What are the, you know, where does it fall apart for people? I, I think that the, 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 the areas where it goes um, wrong the most for families is where they're not planning their farm succession early enough. And by that I mean that they may well be thinking about it, but they're not actually putting it down and on paper as to how they perhaps envisage their own family farm succession might look. Of course it depends on the uh, ages of the children and the number of children and, and, and what the children's uh, aspirations are and, and that can be tricky to know as well uh, because often the father who might be on the farm won't know whether or not his children want to be um, uh, taking over the farm in their teenage or even their twenties. Um, sometimes people suddenly decide they want to go back to the farm in their 30s and so it's difficult for, for farming families to to um, to be able to predict what's going to happen. Uh-huh. However, nevertheless, um, farmers should start to think carefully about farm succession once their children are in their teenage years, yep. in their early 20s, uh, and then it's about putting in place a structure um, for the family farm so that whatever happens in the future, that structure can be there to facilitate the, the farm succession plan. Yeah, and so kids change their minds. I've got kids of my own and I can only imagine what it gets like when it's involved with the farm business. But um, if you put these things in, you're not bound by a lot of these things. Or if people change their mind and suddenly don't want to come home to the farm later on, it doesn't restrict there, but it's, it's got the options if somebody does want to come home. That you have to That's right. Early. So, for example, a good structure for farmers to... Commence any farm succession would be perhaps for a, a company to be formed mm-hmm. to own the farm land and the farm trading operation. 
I personally think that a single company owning the farmland and trading operation is sufficient, provided that there's decent insurance there uh, for, the, for any farm risks that might occur. Um, but once you have a company, then, then you just have to think about who the shareholders are. And to begin with, it may well just be mum and dad, uh -huh. uh, or in an ideal world, you might have a mum and dad trust. And so you have a company with, a, with a fairly much a single shareholder in the form of mum and dad or a trust, and then from that stage on, the farm succession can start to um, have some structure around it where if you did have a child, for example, who was looking to succeed to the farm, or children, there might be more than one, um, then, then they can see that there's a plan there where perhaps they can off-farm earn enough money to then perhaps buy some shares mm -hmm. off the parents in the farm company. Um, and that can progress over time. Uh, whether they're off the farm or, or whether when they return to the farm they're able to still uh, earn sufficient income or off-farm investments to be able to continue to buy mum and dad out. That sort of structure is probably the most mm -hmm. straightforward to follow, um, but I appreciate that it's not necessarily easy in practice. Yeah. So what are, um, it's not easy, there's a, but you, there are some key, you've talked about a couple, I guess, but you did say there's two, the most important things, the couple of really key principles you want to keep central. The, the first one was about the parents. Yes, so if there's two principles I'd, I'd really like to emphasise in, in this podcast, and that is firstly that I think that it's important that the parents are putting themselves first. I think sometimes parents are trying to uh, uh, help everybody, and inevitably sometimes that just can't work. Mm -hmm. But primarily I would like to see parents looking after themselves first. So when they decide to retire, we want the parents to be able to retire comfortably mm -hmm. and to be able to do what they want to do. Most of the time farming parents have worked jolly hard all their life and it's, it's not an ideal situation if, if the parents, as part of their farm succession, fairly much hand the farm over to one, one or more of the children, but leaving the parents in, in very modest circumstances mm -hmm. where they can't properly enjoy their own retirement. So I'd like to see parents put in themselves first mm -hmm. uh, in any farm succession plan. The second uh, thing which I'd like to emphasise is the economic viability of any farm succession plan. And by that, I mean that the first part of economic viability has to be that, the, again, the parents are able to have enough money or be paid enough money over time by the succeeding child to live a comfortable retirement. So that's ensuring that they've got a, a decent house to live in uh, and a decent income to do the things that they want to do uh, in their retirement, which might be travel or, or other hobbies or, or whatnot, but be able to be able to be comfortable um, and have that necessary income. Um, secondly, the succeeding child or children who are looking to take over the farm, it's got to be economically viable for them as well. No one wants to have a plan whereby the succeeding child might be uh, having to borrow money to implement the plan and by that putting themselves under financial strain and, and risk uh, and so that the economic viability doesn't, doesn't work for them and in a worst case scenario they might end up losing the farm. Um, so, so, yeah. so those, those are the two big principles. And, and I think the key thing is they're not an either or, it's got to be both. I mean, it, it can't be okay, it's great for mum and dad, but as you said, the farm's not going to succeed. Or, 
farms left in a healthy state and mum and dad are, are, are paupers for the rest of their, their lives. And I think that's exactly the point, Aaron. I, d I don't think it's a great idea for parents to be paupers for the rest of their lives. I mean, parents have worked jolly hard uh, and it seems wrong f to me for the parents to basically put aside their own futures uh, so that a child can succeed to yep. the farm. I just, I, I personally am not sure that that is the best thing for parents and I'd like to see parents putting themselves forward, forward first. So bluntly, I mean with your experience in it, it, there's not always a solution to that, achieving both? That's exactly right. So sometimes it may well be that there's, there's just not the ability for the parents to be able to comfortably retire with capital and a guaranteed source of income and also for the succeeding child to be able to comfortably manage any any financial debt that they've taken on to take over the farm. And so if you can't tick both those boxes, then that's when parents possibly have to start thinking about the practical idea of selling the farm. And, and by doing that, the parents are able to look after themselves and perhaps out of that, the parents are able to um, provide money to the to the uh, child who who wants to farm and uh, help them into a farm themselves or, or assist with with um, purchase of stock and whatnot. And you talk you know, the importance of time. You've talked already starting early, starting these plans early is really important. Is that an issue at the other end too? That sometimes uh, parents looking after themselves means not staying on the farm. Actually retiring, do you find that an issue in farming that people tend to retire too late, they don't enjoy the retirement or is that part of the planning that people actually retire when they can still enjoy that time off farm? It's a good question, I suppose the answer to that is that everybody is so different yeah. uh, and there are farmers uh, who, who have worked jolly hard and they get into their late 50s for example uh, and, they, and they might have had their children in their very early 20s mm -hmm. so, so by the time they're in their late 50s their children are in their in their late 20s, early 30s themselves. And so they're starting to think, well actually I wouldn't mind retiring off farm and pursue some of the things that they've always wanted to do, uh, whether it's car racing or overseas travel or, or who knows what, what that might be. Uh, but then you also have those parents who absolutely love farming and love the farm mm. and, uh, and they find it very difficult to, to leave the farm and to stop working on the farm. And it's not uncommon to see farmers uh, wanting to continue to be working on the farm well into their 60s. Yep. So some of the other, just we're going to wrap up because you're going to talk about this in depth for, for the group that are here. Um, and when you talk about these plans, I, I guess, um, particularly in your role, but generally having this formally, semi-formally, actually written down, I's dotted, T's crossed, is important, not just having a bit of a plan in, in the head. Yeah, so, the, so in, in, in very quick uh, commentary, once the parents have devised a plan that they think can possibly work, um, they would jot that down in a bullet point form uh, on a piece of A4. It doesn't need to necessarily be anything too important, but basically just putting down the plan, who's going to buy the farm, how much are they going to pay, um, how much is cash, how much is going to be given away, those sorts of things. Um, and then once they've spoken to their professional advisors and realised that that plan's uh, got a likelihood of success, then they would take that to the remainder of the family and hopefully achieve some um, 
acceptance by the rest of the family and then the final step in my view is to document the plan in what we call a deed of family arrangement and that's a more formal document which spells out the whole of the plan so that everybody can see exactly what it's the, the plan is supposed to achieve and can be a, a great record for the future in terms of how it's how the plan's supposed to look so you talked about taking it to the family there the family being able to see it so what you say, it's not just having it documented it's that communication and sharing is, is really you, important yes and ideally once the parents have worked out a rough idea of what their succession plan might look like organizing a facilitator to work with the family to understand each of the children's wants and needs and to get that information out of them which isn't always easy to do within a family but with a good facilitator you can you, you hopefully can extract that information from all the children so that the parents can then be fully informed as to what the children actually would like to see which isn't always obvious to them in those early stages the facilitator will really help that process and it's really only once you've been through that that process of talking amongst the the children individually or in a group on several occasions that the parents can then fully understand what everybody wants to achieve and then once you have that then the parents can start to put in place the final farm succession plan and the and the, the hope that that'll be the plan for the future so I was going to ask you about the importance of professional advice but you basically already explained and stressed it there but who are these people? Who's the facilitator? Should it be your lawyer or accountant or is it actually a third party role or sometimes, I mean obviously presumably that's the sort of thing you do, both the lawyer role or the facilitator role? It's a really good question Aaron uh, and that's, that's, a, that's a subject that gets debated at length. Um, ideally the person who's, who's uh, leading that facilitation is, some, is somebody who has the trust of the family. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, can, it could be the lawyer, it could be the accountant, it could be the banker or the farm advisor, there's yep. lots of people it could be. Um, but I do feel that there are some good professional facilitators out there um, and, and, uh, and also not only do they have those soft skills, um, but they're probably going to be a lot cheaper for the farmers yep. um, because those facilitation sessions are time consuming. Um, but it's really just somebody who, who, the, who the family can, can talk to and trust um, because the goal is to get that information out of all of the family members. So professionals involved, you're going to have a lawyer, an accountant, probably your rural finance manager, and possibly even additionally to that, one of those or somebody else as a facilitator. That's the key. Yes, yes, I think that's right. And, and, and also these days we're starting to see an, uh, an increase in farm consultants. Uh, and a lot of those farm consultants are very good options as well. They, they're often ex-rural bankers, um, and so they're quite, they're quite useful because they've got good knowledge of the farming industry, they've got good knowledge of, of, of uh, the way farmers and farming families work, um, and they understand the financial side of it, and, and they can be very helpful in terms of um, stepping into that facilitation role to try to tease out of the family as to what everybody's expecting out of a farm succession plan. So get into it early, have a plan, a formal plan, make sure it's put the parents first, it's financially viable for both parties and if it can't be, then um, the the solution may be a a sale up. That's very short pricey, I think, what you're gonna talk about in more depth, but um, that's not necessarily the role of the podcast, but if people want to follow up those ideas, find out more information, are the the sources you'd recommend? The sources on farm succession are actually uh, 
not particularly uh, available. To, uh, and that may be because farm succession is so particular to each farming family. Yep. So there's no blueprint. It, it, and I think that's the most difficult thing. But if you go on the internet, there are plenty of um, articles that I've seen that you can try to drill into um, to get more information. But I think ultimately you need to be farmers need to be working early on with a with a, a lawyer or an accountant or a banker or a farm advisor or a farm consultant to to kickstart things. And hopefully that person has got the knowledge to, to kickstart those things properly. Yeah, I mean ultimately it's about people. So I guess having other people involved is yes. what it boils down to. Hey, look. Um, I think we'll leave it there, Richard. That's a really good summary and a pricey. It's a taster and hopefully it gives people some leads to follow up for their own situation if they're keen. So, look, thank you very much for your time. My pleasure.